0: This podcast was recorded at Life Connection Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more podcasts and information on Life Connection Church, visit lifeconnectionchurch.net. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you guys. You you look unusually good today. For some reason, you look good, and um, I, I appreciate you dressing up this morning. Um, we're continuing our series in Romans, and uh, we are excited that, you he- that you're that you here. Let me give you just something that uh, I want to continue to challenge us on. Life Connection Church is January 1, becoming Rege- Redemption Alhambra Village. So, yeah. Hootie hoo um, And so we're excited about that. Um <laughs> Um, and so, we have information out there about Redemption Church on the, um, on the table as you walk out. Please grab one of those uh, flyers there. Also, if you have any questions about that, we are we're more than willing to answer that, but we're excited about what that's going to do for us. And so, we do continue to encourage you to be informed, to pray for us as we're transitioning and to really help us out as we continue this transition. Over the last few weeks, we have walked through Romans, um, and it's been almost uh, 30 weeks now, or just at 30 weeks, and we've walked through Romans, um, and there's so much to cover, so I want you to know that not every week will I be able to overview everything that we've already gone through, but you can go online, and you can look on lifeconnectionchurch.net, and those sermons are there. Last few weeks we've been talking about one of the most incredible um, parts of scripture I think and it's been pointing out the union that we have with Christ and and in that union that we have with Christ um, there is something that we have to point out and I I want you to look at these points because it's important for us as we're going to read today and as we're going to study this text that we do not miss this that salvation is more about communion with Jesus than it is about coming out of sin. But hear me on this. When you are in communion with Jesus, sin has been defeated. It's more about communion and union with Jesus than it is about you being perfect. And it's important for us to know this Because the central piece when we think about salvation is we get to be in a covenantal union with God through Jesus. And sin is defeated because of loving communion with Jesus. And what we talked about last week is that freedom is not the absence of a master, it's having the right master. That all of us are slaves, as we talked about last week, to something. And we're going to talk about that this week. All of us are slaves to something. And freedom is not the absence of a master. Because even if you think you are your own master, then that means you still are your own slave. And it's important for you to understand... That slavery to sin leads to death. But when we are in union with Christ and when He is our master, there is complete freedom. The illustration that I want to give to you this morning is is really when we have to understand this at the core. So I want to illustrate this in a way by saying some of us understand this when we hear this when we hear it this way there is a difference between coming out of a bad relationship and getting into a healthy relationship there is a big difference from coming out of a bad relationship than there is in getting into a healthy relationship let me let me put it this way if if a person gets out of a bad relationship he's always or she is always trying to hate the person they just came out of the relationship with you see this happen all the time some some girl is in a bad relationship the dude beat him or 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 slept with his sister or something like that i mean whatever whatever happens something horrible takes place they get treated like a an animal and all of a sudden they come out of it and they're finally free from it and all they can do is say i want to hate him so bad but i can't i can't i just love him so much and every time that song comes on it just reminds me of all the good times and you could sit there the whole time and say girl look at me in the face he beat you i know but i just love him so bad he slept with your sister i know but he didn't mean to She's a whore. That's what she is. It's her fault. And all of these kinds of things start playing through the minds of somebody, hear me on this, somebody who is trying to hate somebody that they love. (laughs) And the reality of that is no matter how much you sit there and say, he's a dog, he's a jerk. They may to your face say, that's right, girl. That's right. He is a dog. But then walk away and lock their door and cry in their room. I want to hate him so bad. There's a difference between trying to hate something you love than a person who gets into a good relationship. And then all of a sudden, when they get into this good relationship, all of a sudden they feel stupid for every other bad relationship they had. Like, what was I thinking? That guy was a dog. What was, what was I thinking? He was crazy. And everything they used to do, and everything they used to love, and everything they used to want, when they see this good and loving and healthy relationship, all of a sudden they realize how stupid those things are. See, salvation is more about communion with Christ than it is about getting out of sin. The answer that he gives in these types of questions is not, you need to hate sin. You need to hate sin. That's what you need to do. You need to hate sin. What he's showing us is that freedom is not just coming out of slavery, freedom is being in union with the right and the good and the perfect, in union with God. That when we are in love with Jesus, the sins of our lives all of a sudden look foolish. Let me me put it this way. Many people do not understand the gospel. And the reason they don't understand the gospel is they think the whole gospel is trying to make people hate sin rather than to be in love and union with Jesus. What you hear from the pulpit and what you hear in this, do you see what you're doing? It's stupid. Why are you doing this? It's destroying your life. It's killing you. If you do these things, God's going to be mad at you. And you point them out all these things. You should hate this. You shouldn't do this. And no matter how many times you in your quote unquote gospel council try to get people to hate sin, they go and lock themselves in their room and say, I want to hate it, but I can't. When the reality is, it's not about us pointing people to the hatred of sin. It's about pointing them to the love and union and relationship and freedom in Christ. And when they see the grace that has been given to them and abounding with them, all of a sudden, hear me on this, how many of you when you came into union with Christ began to see the things that you knew were stupid and realized, oh, those things are so sinful. And all of a sudden, the light comes on. Now, as we think of these things, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 6. And we're going to read verses 19 through 23. And excuse me if I get a little bit um, attached to this text because God used this verse, specifically verse 23, to save me. He revealed His Son Jesus to me through the proclamation of Romans chapter 6 23 this verse and these verses have radically transformed my life and the deeper I understand these things the more and more I fall in love with the person and work of Jesus and my need of his spirit so let's stand together as we read Romans chapter 6 and church the reason why we stand together is not just religious ritual it is for the purpose Of us understanding that these are different than my words. These are God's words. And we should stand in respect of that. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things in which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, as you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God and and the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God, would you take these words and sink them into our hearts today. Let us understand and be transformed. Let this not be about information. Let our hearts be transformed. Let transformation take place. In Jesus' name, in the church, said, amen. Paul starts in verse 19, and he says this, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's important for us to understand this. He says, I'm speaking in human terms. <laughs> Basically, what he means by that is that he's speaking in layman's terms. This is... For, you know how you get those those books for dummies you know what I'm saying you know how we get those books like computers for dummies or f- whatever it is this is I'm speaking in simple terms and I'm going to illustrate this to you and I'm going to continue to illustrate this to you as we even move into chapter 7 which by the way Pastor Wes or Wes Little is preaching this text next week I think you need to come back for that I'm speaking in human terms, he says, and this is so that we can understand. What we have to understand about when he's speaking in human terms is that every illustration has its limitations. Do you get that? No illustration fully expresses who God is and our relationship with him. Every illustration has its limitations, but when he says I'm speaking in human terms, what he wants them to say is, I'm trying to dumb this down. I'm trying to to make this understandable. I'm trying to speak this in layman's terms so that we can understand this. And here's what he says in verse 19. But I just want to say personally, Paul, thank you for dumbing this down for me. I appreciate it. I need it. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. And here's what he says. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Here's what he says. You knew how to present yourself to your old master. Here's Here's what you have to understand is this you knew how to offer yourself up to sin. (laughs) It's getting real quiet in here. Nobody had to teach you, or maybe they did, or disciple you, or bring you along. You made sure if you didn't understand something, you would figure it out. Matter of fact, when it came to your slavery to sin... It didn't even feel like slavery to you. It felt like choice. Right? And here's the reality of this. You knew what your master wanted. And you knew what they wanted. And not only did you know what they wanted, what your master's sin wanted, you felt like It was worth whatever they wanted and whatever they would ask for. It was worth it. And nothing that they wanted compared to the cost or to what you were receiving. It didn't matter. Whatever they wanted, it was far cheaper than what you felt like you were getting from it. You were not driven by your sin by saying you have to do this. You know that it was compelled by your want and so you knew what your master wanted and so you would do whatever it took. How about this? You would think about it all the time. (laughs) You would think about it all the time and and here's the interesting part a lot of people when it comes to their their lives will say things like you know what um I'm just not that educated. I, I really, I really don't understand things, and I really don't. I really, I really don't. I'm not a big thinker, you know. I'm just kind of a, I'm just kind of a practical, normal person. But the reality is, you can tell what their master is when they are willing to read and understand and go after and seek uh, uh, whatever kind of, of, of education that they need in order to understand what it is. That controls them. It's interesting to me that reading never feels like reading when you're trying to read for another purpose. Study never even feels like study when you are enjoying it. Oh, I hate studying, except... This dude knows every stat from every baseball player ever made, every basketball team. They know the scores of every team. They know how long each player's been playing. You think you just heard that, or you think you went and studied because you enjoyed it? You will always, hear me on this, you always made time for your master. How many of you know That this excuse of being busy is only an excuse that we use to diss other people that want our time. But, but, hear me on this. We will never, ever make the excuse that we don't have time when we are controlled and in slavery and love and want. We always have time. I remember when Dana and I were extremely busy going to school, dating through high we would lay in bed at night late at night because we couldn't see each other outside of our room we were confined to our room but we would lay in bed on the phone and fall asleep together on the phone and 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 there's so much wrong with that but just laying there on the phone just wasting minutes and that was when minutes were at a at a not a very you know you can't get unlimited you know what i'm saying you're just laying there just talking on the phone and then and then and then are you sleeping dana hello And just felt so romantic waking up the next morning knowing that they're still there. You would always make time even in the busiest of schedules for that which you adore and love and worship and serve. Your busyness is only restricting when you don't want to do something. You will always make time for it. The the other thing you have to understand is you made friends with people who had the same sin. Who had the same master you. Matter of fact, it was what brought you guys together. (laughs) You had no problem building relationships with people who had the same master. Enjoyed the same thing who served the same master. There was camaraderie there. There was relationship there. There was understanding there. There was forgiveness there. There was sympathy and care. There was community. The other thing is this. It was so good that you wanted to make sure that everybody else in your life enjoyed the same thing. You would recommend it like crazy. Crazy. The reality is, you presenting yourself to sin, if you really became honest and you understood what is being taken, when Paul says, you presented yourself to lawlessness and sin, and I'm speaking in human terms, but you did not do it in a way that was begrudging service and laws. Because of your great affection for your master, you would present yourself to these things and you yielded yourself to these things and you gave your time, your effort, your money, your relationships, everything was invested in the pursuit of your master and in the pursuit of his pleasure, your sin. Now that our hearts have been changed, the way that he changes our hearts is not by laying on us a whole list of rules, and God does not come into our hearts and say, hate that thing. Hate that master. Get rid of that. And hate it and hate it and hate it. And you're saying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Here's what God does. He shows himself and he reveals his work. And he shows us that this is who he is. And he calls us into a loving relationship with him. And when we move into this good and loving and healthy relationship, we look at that old sin and that old life. And what takes place in that is transformation. Our hearts has been changed. And now all of a sudden, that which we yielded ourselves to. And here is where he begins to talk about our sanctification. And why is this important? Because many of us say, I don't know how to draw closer to God. And Paul says, oh, yes, you do. The same way you were led by your affections and desires towards sin is the same way you will be led to this new master." That it's just reasonable to give your time, your money, your relationships, everything about you. You're never too busy. You never have all that. You're 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 thinking about it. It's all. So what is he saying? Present as you presented yourself to your old master. Present your mind. Present your relationships, present your body, present your time, present all that you have and as you present yourself to this new and good and healthy relationship, what takes place is what is called sanctification. But here's what you have to understand. Do not be surprised if you think that you have been changed by the gospel and you considered and you continue to present yourself to your old master that no man can serve two masters you will either hate one and love the other Jesus said that that the love of God draws us into a loving relationship with him gives us clear eyes to see and here is what sanctification is listen you need to continue to feed the love of God. And so many of you are going, I can't stop hating this. I can't stop. I want to so bad. And people are like, look it. It's killing you. It's killing you. It's killing you. It's killing you. Rather than saying, feed your relationship with Christ. Love God. Give him all of yourself. To the point where it doesn't feel and It's not like the kind of mastery we think of, but it feels a lot more like, hear me on this, choice. That I'm choosing to give Him my time. I'm choosing to give Him myself. I'm choosing to build relationships with people who know Him so that we together can grow in Him. I'm choosing to boast in Him. There's a big difference between these masters, and I want to make sure that we point that out rather than me emphasizing the fact. Because here is what is going to cause us to really grow is not by us looking, man, I just can't hate this thing, but here's what Paul does in Romans 6 the 19 through 23 he wants to show you how good this master is and why you should wholly and fully surrender your whole life to him that that's freedom on this next slide here's what we talk about here and in this verse that we that we just hit Here's what I want you to understand. There's a big difference between these masters. And the first one is this. Are you going somewhere or are you just going in circles? God, who is good and loving and right, is leading you somewhere. Sin is just keeping you in cycles. And here's what he says. When you commit lawless and sinful things and when you are trapped and slaved to sin... It just leads you to more. All it does is say, hey, you want sex? Then go have it and you have it and then you get done and you walk away and go, I want more of the same, but more perverted and worse. And then you do it and you want more. That sex that we're supposed to enjoy in in the lordship of Christ in covenant all of a sudden becomes the God of our lives, and we can realize that no matter how much we get of it, we just want more. That drink that was supposed to be enjoyed under the lordship of Christ becomes that thing where if I could just have that drink, I would feel so much better. And then we get done and wake up the next morning, maybe with a headache, and what do we want? More. And no matter how much we follow this master. And I could give illustration after illustration, but the reality is, is right on the front of your mind is the master that's leading you into more. And all that this master can give to you, hear me of this, is more of the same. He has nothing else to give you. Nothing. But when, look at verse 19, but when we follow and serve, and present ourselves, and when we are with this master, what happens is, in verse 19, we present ourselves to him as slaves of righteousness, and what does it lead to? Sanctification. Huh. Hear me on this. The continual presenting ourselves to God and our members to him leads us to sanctification. Sanctification is the walking in of our identity. Sanctification is the growing into who Christ is. That we have become, by the work of Jesus, righteous. And not only have we become righteous by His work, but by His Spirit, He is making us more righteous. So basically what this text is saying to you is that Jesus is making you into what He's already made you by His work. That this good and loving master, if you will, is more like a father who doesn't just care about the birth of a child, but cares about the raising of that child. That this master cares about the growth of his servants, the progression, the growth. And that progression is not more money, more success. That progression is the becoming more like him. Here's what I want you to understand about the masters that we're pointing out here. One can only offer you more of the same and emptiness when you see that it never satisfies. The other one offers His leadership and guidance and sanctifying you and growing you and making you more into who you want to be. And many of us, if we really could hear this truth would long for somebody who would cause us to grow because we've been caught in cycles for so long. Amen. The second is this, if we look at verse 20 and 21 verse 20 through 22 it says this, for you were slaves for sin and now you were free in regards to righteousness, but what fruit were but what fruit were you getting from that thing in which you were in which you are now ashamed? The first question is, what is the fruit of what you are doing? Here's the reality of what sin does. The most important thing about sin is it entices you not by the outcomes or the end. It entices you by pleasure. Sin wants you to look at Your actions and your present. It says if you do this, it will feel so good. If you do this, it will make you happy. If you do this, here's what will take place. But the reality is, the more that we do those lawless sinful things and our eyes are open, what we realize is that all that comes out of us when we do those things is fruit that we do not like. And it's leading us somewhere that we don't want to go. Why? What does it say? You're ashamed of them. You're ashamed of the fruit. And it's leading you, look at verse 21, to death. Sin is controlling you with momentary pleasure. And keeping your eyes off the outcomes, it's leading you to death. Here's what you have to know, that a life of sin does not want you to look at fruit and and destination. It does not want you to look at, look at what's coming out of you and where you're going. It wants to keep you focused on your pleasure and your own satisfaction. And inside of that, it doesn't matter where you're going because it's your own life. It doesn't matter how others feel because it's all about you. And as it keeps you focused on that, hear me on this, it is your master and here's why it's your master. While it keeps you blind, it keeps you blind from this, what's coming out of you and where you're going. But here's how good and loving God is that He opens your eyes not to momentary pleasure. He opens your eyes to what He wants to produce out of you and where He's taking you. Church, do you hear me on this? God is not concerned immediately with immediate pleasures and desires. What He's concerned is what is coming out, bearing the fruit of His righteousness and where He's taking you. And if, if you don't like that, here's what you don't like. You don't like loving parents. Because when I look at my kids, I am not immediately concerned with them. My son, the other day, and some of you have seen him walking around, got his finger crushed in a window. And he crushed the tip of his finger. And he was in so much pain. And he he's in agony. And, and, and their nail ripped off. And the whole thing is there. And we're looking at it. And the kids are like... Sitting in the car as we're taking him to the, to the hospital. And Ezra's turning all white because he's seeing his son, and I mean his brother in so much pain. And on the way there, my son keeps going, Dad, I, I, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to get shots. He's more worried about the shots that he's about to experience and the surgery that will take place than he is about what will happen if he doesn't do those things. Why is that? He's more concerned about momentary pleasure. And what kind of father would I be who said, look, okay, well, let's not do it. Well, let's not take you to the hospital. We'll just let you, you don't want to have to get shots. You won't have to go to a surgery. You won't have to do any of those things. What kind of father would I be if I was more concerned about him not having to face those things than I was about where he was going and what would come out if I didn't do that? And this is where he distinguishes the difference here. He's showing us that the master that is sin is not taking you somewhere. Well, he is taking you somewhere, but he's taking you to death. So he needs to keep you blind to where he's taking you. And he's producing in you fruits. So if he could keep you focused on your pleasures and your desires rather than the fruit and the end... He has you trapped. This Master, who is Jesus, this God, shows us that He wants to produce in us fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness self-control against their things. There is no law that He wants to produce in us the works of His Spirit. He wants His Spirit to pour forth from us and where He wants to take us into eternal life and relationship with Him where we are ruling and reigning together in this new earth. God destroys sin, hear me on this, by pointing you to His Spirit and your future hope. Many of us are so used to be pointing to our pleasure that when we come to God, we get really angry with Him when He points us to His Spirit and a future hope. It's what I did for my son. Son, God is with you. Son, if we do this, it's going to lead to healing. Son, I know you don't want this. But you've got to look beyond this pain and you've got to look into what is going to be produced and where we're going. Children of God, we are so deceived by our pleasure and self-desires that we cannot look past that. And here is what God is showing us. If we can, by His Spirit, get the eyes of God and ask Him not to show us What is feel? What will make us comfortable? But if we could show Him we have His Spirit and where He is taking us. Here's the other thing He shows us in verse 23. And I want to say this before we move to 23 because I want us to focus on this. How is sin crushed in our life? How does God destroy sin in our lives? It's by drawing us into this loving relationship with Him. So when we are tempted by sin, and if we want sin to be crushed, we should not be looking for a feeling or momentary pleasure. We should be asking God to open our eyes to the fruit of what comes out of us if we do this and the future in which we are headed towards. That if we could take our mind off what we want just in that moment and ask God to say what will happen what are the outcomes what is it that I'm not trusting in by your spirit and move beyond now there is many times that I have I have shared pastoral advice with you but this in any way has brought me so much freedom because there's so many times that I became so sin conscious that when sin came knocking on the door of my heart and life what I would do is get away Get out of here. And use every sort of charismatic trick and every sort of binding and loosing and and fleeing and running and all these kinds of things. And all the time I'm trying to fight this enemy by looking it square in the eyes. I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you, I I want you, I want, I don't, I want you, I want. Rather than looking to my new master, the lover of my soul, and asking him to point me to his spirit and to my future in him. Now, by his grace, the way that I fight sin is so far different. I do not fight sin head on. You better believe it. (laughs) You want to know the way I fight sin? It's constantly trying to look toward Jesus. To show me His Spirit and to show me my future. And the more I gaze on sin, here is here is the power that we have to crush and defeat sin in our lives. Is Stop giving it the attention and the power that it doesn't have. You need to spend most Of all of your time and all of your efforts and all of your energies and all of your work, if you're going to do anything, learn what it means to present yourself to this new and good and loving master. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy who was what, set before Him, endured. Here is how we have the power to endure, is if we can look beyond, how do I get over this? How do I get to perfection? How do I not struggle with this? Get away from me. I don't want you. I want you. I want you. And get our eyes fixed upon Jesus and push towards that. My friends, in Jesus, there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's hope, there's joy. That when we fall and when we struggle and when we are, there's grace. And The problem that people have with the message of grace is this. They think that it empowers them to keep sinning. When the reality is someone who is in a relationship with Christ now has this power to overcome sin that they never had before why because it's not that they're just moving out of a bad relationship they're moving into a good and healthy and right relationship Here's, here's the difference and we end with this look at verse 23 and I love this verse for the wages of sin is death The gift of God is eternal life. I'm sorry, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's the last point. What's what's the reward you're getting for what you're presenting yourself to? What's your reward from the Master that you're serving? Well, James says it this way. I love... James chapter 1 talks about our relationship to sin, and he doesn't talk about it in a way of a master, but he talks about it in a way that says this um, You are seduced by sin. You're flirting with it. You're attracted to it. You sleep with it. You get impregnated by it. And now all of a sudden, you're growing this new life of sin within you, and you're so excited. You birth this sin. And this new life comes to the world, and you're excited that others get to see this little sin. Then you nurture it, and you grow it, and you feed it, and you, you do everything you can to just grow this thing up, and you grow it up, and it becomes a man, and it kills you. That's what James 1 says. Here's, here's how Romans 6.23 says it. You work really hard. You get out there and you do your best and you present yourself and you do everything you can and you, you, you're doing your thing and you think you're hitting a big paycheck and you, you, you've, you've, you've earned this. This is what you've earned. You've worked really hard. You've done everything you can. You've tried to hate it. You've overcome it. And all of a sudden you've white knuckled. You've done everything you could. You worked really, really hard and here's what you get for your paycheck. Death. It kills you. And when we talk about death, we're not just talking about physical death, although it leads to that. It is talking about eternal separation from God. Eternal death and separation. That we spend our lives. Eternally separated and dead, separated from God. That's torture and torment. But the free gift of God, and here's what this master. Here's what this master gives to you. Your reward is you cannot earn this. There's no way that you could could strive for this. There's no way that you could become this. There's no way that you could deserve this. What you need is a master who's more like who is a father, and what he. Can- to you is not based upon how you've lived your life and how many prayers you've said and all the things you've done but it's based solely upon his grace and the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord and the reward we get from this good and loving God is hear me on this life eternally We get to be in union with Him for all eternity. And so what do we look like when we evaluate these masters Is this? Are you going somewhere or are you going in circles? What fruit is coming out of your life? Where is this leading you? And what kind of master are you serving? Where all He can serve up to you at the end for all that you've deserved is death. But this good and loving and right... And perfect God who created all things, who has the heart of of this Father, is calling us into loving service with Him. And as the band comes, we're about to head into a a time of communion. But I'm going to end with just saying this and praying for you because I want us to transition out of this into participation. And here's what I want us to think about the story of the prodigal son who thinks it would be freedom to get his own money and go off into the world on his own and be his own master. But what he realizes quickly is this. He realizes that he's a slave. And all of a sudden, he comes to his senses and he runs back to his father's house not to be a son, but he realizes being a servant in my father's house is more freedom than being a slave to myself. And he runs back home And when he runs back to what he thinks is going to be his new master, the Father runs to him. Because the relationship that God wants to have through us, through Jesus, is not one of master-servant but is one of Father, Son. And what do we see in this? Is this, you're a slave to something, but what freedom is, is being in a relationship with a Father who doesn't want you to just be His slave. He wants you to be His Father. He wants you to be His Son. And He's taking you somewhere. And He's producing things in you. And He's leading you to eternal life in Him. And He's giving you something you do not deserve. He's not just trying to destroy you. He is already giving you all through His Son, Jesus, that you need. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for Your work in our lives and how You love us. And We thank You that You have given us this grace. And Lord, today... I pray that You would open our eyes to see the victory that we have in Jesus. That each person in this room would would see that they've been presenting themselves to sin, as slaves of sin, and today You are calling them into freedom. And I pray, Father, that they would see the freedom that is in You, that they would see that You are a good and loving and right Father, and that being under Your rule and reign is actually far more freeing than living under in the bondage of sin. And God, I pray that they would stop striving for perfection and they would put all of their heart and affection towards a good and loving God and that they would see that by in union with You, in union with You, You lead them into greater and greater freedom and victory over sin. In Jesus' name.